0: Cut it, cut it, cut it. Let's let's try something different this time. This is Redesign America. And before I get into anything, I just want to extend my thanks and appreciation to the folks who have been with the podcast from the very, very beginning. I'm sure you all may have felt a bit in limbo being that I haven't released an episode in almost two years. I mean, who am I kidding? It actually has been two years, but you get the point. I really don't think I could have done this without you. And to the new listeners, welcome. This is Redesign America, the podcast about imagining, dreaming, and thinking about what a better world could look like beyond this present. And with a focus on social justice issues. Now, today's episode is going to be a bit different from the episodes in the past. And what I mean by that is that this episode is going to be a more in-depth episode about How Redesign America came to be, what exactly am I trying to achieve here, and why Redesign America is more important now than ever. I realize that many of you may not even know who I am and what brings me to this work, and so I hope that this episode clears a little bit of that up. As always, this is Mustafa Ali Smith, and you're listening to Redesign America. So Katie, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you a part of this podcast and conversation is for one, you're working communications, right? And and messaging. And I wanted this conversation to be framed in a pretty effective way, especially for listeners, since this is a relaunch. But also, I remember before I even started working at Juvenile Law Center, you had brought up my podcast. And at the time, I was considering, you know, not doing the podcast anymore or questioning whether or not there was even a need for the podcast. But you even bringing it up and talking to me about it was really affirming for me. And I want to just say thank you for that. Um, so I think the best way to start us off is introduction. So Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and some of the work that you do.
1: Sure. Um, I'm Katie Otto, she, her pronouns, and I am, uh, a mom of two. I live in South Philadelphia and, um, I work at juvenile law center. Um, I also, um, love doing freelance writing and doing media work. Uh, and my background is that I went to school for journalism, um, and, um, I think what was so exciting to me about the podcast uh, when I encountered it was just the ability to kind of have it as a space to wrestle with some of these ideas and maybe just invite contemplation. Um, I think that's one of the the real true benefits to podcasting is, and to being a listener of podcasts is is just the kind of the intimacy of having you know, it's almost like you have a friend in your pocket and you're listening to ideas. And, um, the experience of consuming a podcast is kind of like an intensely personal one. You, you, I mean, occasionally you might share them with other people, but I think probably most podcasts are consumed as the listener is just listening by themselves, um, in the course of their day while they're traveling. Um, and I think that's, that's a place where maybe people have a moment to stop and take a breath and think about things, um, so, Mustafa, could you uh, tell me a little bit about your background and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, of course. So I am someone who is deeply passionate about public service and social justice and it has been a large part of my life. Um, I enjoy working towards thriving communities, and that's something that uh, I'm really committed to. And so my background is partially in community organizing and When I was an undergraduate student living in Knoxville at the time, I was organizing alongside uh, NAACP, the local NAACP chapter. And we were working around issues such as like voter suppression, voting rights, discrimination, racism, and even a few issues around juvenile justice. And so, fast forward a couple of years, I moved to Philadelphia to pursue uh, graduate school. And I was. Uh, researching issues around youth justice, uh, the school to prison pipeline, diversion programs as a mean to address this pipeline. And as you know, I worked at Juvenile Law Center for a little bit in Philadelphia. And for listeners, Juvenile Law Center is a nonprofit that fights for the rights, dignity, equity and opportunity for youth. And so they work to reduce the harms of the child welfare and justice systems, limit the reach of these systems, and ultimately abolish them so youth uh, youth can thrive. As of January 2023, for work, I kind of wear two hats. On one end, I work at the Vera Institute of Justice, which is a criminal justice research and policy organization uh, working to end mass incarceration. And I also work with Knoxville City government uh, and their office of community safety uh working to address uh violence in the community gun violence homicides uh and work with community organizations who are on the ground doing street outreach to uh prevent violence from happening and interrupt it.
1: That's great. Thank you so much. Um what inspired you to create the podcast Redesign America?
0: So in 2018 I remember reading a book and you you actually may be familiar with it but it's called The Sun Does Shine and it's by Anthony Ray Hinton.
1: Tell me more about it.
0: Now just to summarize, you know in 1985 Anthony Ray Hinton was arrested and charged with two counts of capital murder in Alabama. And he was only 29 years old at the time. But I want us to kind of take a step back because we really have to understand kind of this environment at the time and even the environment leading up to this moment when Hinton was arrested. So, you know, growing up as a black man in Alabama in the 1970s meant experiencing constant racism. You know, Alabama had been deeply segregated. And so it was, you know, kind of only at the beginning of the decade that. A black person could go into a diner and sit at a counter and order a hamburger. So You still had a lot of folks who resented black people. I mean, even today, but, you know, at that time. And so, you know, despite the end of segregation laws, the 1970s were a decade when the threat of violence, right, was ever present for black folks. And, and you know, even Hinton himself, right, he remembers the 16th street baptist church bombing that claimed the lives of four african-american girls
1: on the morning of sunday september 15 12 year old sarah collins and her sister addie Mae collins were preparing for a youth day service at the 16th street baptist church in birmingham alabama they were with their friends in the ladies lounge in the basement when an explosion suddenly ripped through the church a bomb planted by white supremacists had detonated just outside the lounge most tragically, however, it took the lives of the four young girls with Sarah Collins that morning, including her sister, Addie Mae. It was so gruesome that the body of one of the victims was so mangled, she could only be identified by her ring.
0: Right. He remembers this moment and, away, and, you know, you know, him and other children, they had to stay home. Him, His mother had warned him to run if a car full of white men had ever pulled up alongside of him. You know, this was the reality that Hinton had to go through growing up. Now fast forward to the moment when Hinton was arrested. Hinton was innocent, right? He knew that this was a case of mistaken identity. And to him, he he honestly believed that the truth would prove his innocence and ultimately set him free. But with no money and a very, very different system of justice for a poor black man in the south with the history right that was leading up to this moment Hinton was sentenced to death by electrocution and so for the next 27 years Hinton would spend his life in prison and on death row until Brian Stevenson a civil rights attorney help and facilitate uh, and advocate for Hinton uh, for his release in 2015 now, I know that was a very long explanation of a book, and I really didn't have to do that, but I bring up that book for a couple of reasons, right? So on, on one one end, uh, that book for me was exposure to the harms of the criminal legal system. And on the other end, it's kind of what led me to think about social justice issues more critically and more broadly. The book hit on several themes that impact our society today, and those were, you know, themes of racism, uh, poverty and income inequality, uh, highlighting a justice system that doesn't really serve justice. And, you know, we throughout each one of these themes are kind of the histories that brought us to this very moment today. And so I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. The way these various social justice issues impact communities, harm communities, hurt communities, right? It doesn't have to be this way. And so I launched Redesign America.
1: And and why the fa- the phrase Redesign America, not something else? What what does that mean? Uh, and how does that connect to the focus of the podcast?
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for this question. And I think it's, it's really good for centering folks into, you know, why Redesign America. And so Redesign America to me is first and foremost about changing the way that we think about these social justice issues. And I think this is very timely today because this episode is being released a couple of days after MLK Day. But one of the things that Clint Smith does, Clint Smith is a writer and poet, uh, but he does this almost about every year around MOK day and he kind of makes this list of tweets and wh- one of the things he highlights is that you know he he talks about how he always found this idea of doing a service project to honor MOK a bit strange and and that's not to say that service is bad you know he highlights that service is in fact good Uh, But, you know, when you're going out to do it, especially on MLK Day, you have to be asking yourself the question why, you know, why this landscape of inequality exists as it does today And, and really question the systems, the structures and the history that brought those systems and structures to be, you know, so many people believe that, you know, the service is about painting a classroom and cleaning up trash. But, He does a really good job of centering what MLK really wanted, which is, you know, when we go out to paint those classrooms, we should be asking ourselves why schools are underfunded in the first place. Right. When we go out to pick up trash, we should be asking why certain communities suffer from more pollution. Now, in the context of Redesign America, that means looking at the nuances of these social justice issues. Right. Asking why it has come to be this way, and taking a really deep look at how history got us here. You know, I think back to previous episodes that I did. You know, that had been a core piece of of each episode, right? Asking folks, how did we get here? You know, what policies, choices, and decisions brought us to this very moment today, right? And that's something that I really hope to continue with uh, with future episodes, and so that's one part of it. The other important part of redesign America is uplifting the voices of individuals and communities who have been largely impacted by these social justice issues, whether that's voting rights and climate change or gun violence and racial injustice. Right. I sincerely believe that these communities have strong stories to tell and experiences to share with us. And many of these communities know best what is needed to transform the conditions that they have to navigate every single day, and uh, so I want to continue doing that. I want to continue centering and uplifting uh, these voices in these conversations.
1: That makes sense. Um, I think one thing I I appreciate about what you're saying is it—it almost seems like, sadly, a subversive act in these days to ask the question, "What brought us here?" With all of the cultural pushes of, you know, kind of right-wing school board takeovers and anti-CRT uh, activism. Just, there is a real force uh, in the in the culture right now amongst some to sort of purposefully say, we will not ask, and not only that, we will not let other people ask, how do we get here? Um, so I really appreciate that. And I think My hope is that for especially for young people who are in schools who are being deprived of that, that that we create other places for them to engage with that and hear it if increasingly it's, uh, you know, part of this battleground discourse in school districts. So I really appreciate that. Um, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question of, you know, why you think now is a good time? Why have you decided to bring it back? What makes this urgent?
0: So I remember I released the first episode of Redesign America before 2020. And so we fast forward to 2020. And, you know, I think a lot of us remember how that year felt. The emotions that kind of ran through our body. Right. So over the summer of 2020, a lot of people remember the racial reckonings. Um, People putting their life on the line to fight Uh, against police brutality, violence, racial injustice, and so much more. You know, I put my life on the line. I was out there in the streets protesting. And, you know, at the time, this was also during the height of COVID. So people putting their health on the line to fight for these issues. What I did see, though, across the country is that there was this kind of flame sparked in folks, right? There was, and what I mean by that is that 2020 really made a lot of these issues urgent. There was a sense of urgency that was telling us we need to address these problems now. And the time is now. And so you saw a lot of people putting together workshops around these issues using their platform to really advocate on behalf or for communities who had been largely impacted by these issues, such as police brutality and violence. And uh, you also saw uh, you also saw folks really pushing agendas such as, you know, new policies and laws that really got to the root of uh, some of these problems. And so, there was this urgency and um I even you know I think about back at this time and you know I released several episodes uh during 2020 because you know I also felt this urgency I also felt that you know I should be using this platform to talk about the problems that are going on and so I did that and so that's 2020 but here we are in the year 2023, and you ask, you know, why is this podcast needed more than ever? And I think we should kind of direct our eyes and ears to what happened recently in Los Angeles, right? Where you had a young man named Keenan Anderson... Uh, who's actually the cousin of uh, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, uh, die, you know, at the hands of police officers. And there's something that he, he says before he dies, right? He's like, they're trying to George Floyd me. Oh, my God. They are trying to George Floyd me. And to me, this is a very concrete example of the past that has not passed, and these histories living before our eyes. And so things haven't changed. And it really centers how important it is for us to continue having these conversations and for us to continue feeling this sense of urgency when it comes to addressing these problems in this country.
1: What what do you hope people will walk away from the podcast? What would you hope that they would take from it?
0: So one of the things I had struggled with in the past is really trying to have a grasp of my agency and addressing some of these social justice issues. And I would want someone listening to this, the this podcast and the episodes on it to come away feeling that's a sense of agency. Right. A, a, and also a sense of urgency. Right. That they listen to the episode and they uh, feel that spark of why, of like, wow, I can get involved with this issue and that's going to look different for everybody. You know, we think back to 2020, some people protested because that is where they saw the most of their agency at play. But for other people, it was making the workshops for others. It was using their platform to. Uh, promote and uplift communities who had been harmed, right? It looked different for everybody. And so I really hope that, you know, by listening through these episodes, that people are able to pick up on their agency and what works best for them.
1: And I guess why podcasting in the first place for you? And what have some of your best experiences been with it?
0: So I really enjoy writing um, and telling stories through my writing. But the One thing that I think that you really don't get in writing that you get in podcasting is the way you tell the story and what you're able to offer through that story. And so what I what I enjoy about podcasting is that you kind of get to see a story unfold before your eyes in real time right through conversation and you get to feel uh, the emotion that comes with these these stories and it's not to say that you can't feel that through writing, but I think it feels a little bit different when you listen to it, when you hear it. So the best example that I have for this, to put this in perspective, is that you know one of the past episodes that I did during 2020 uh, was raising queer and trans voices in the movement for Black Lives. And Stephon Bradbury, they were the guests for that episode. But in that episode... You get so much insight and feel the raw emotion going through Stefan. You pick up on their sadness. You pick up on their pain, wow. um, their longing for something better for these individuals, right? That's something that you might completely miss in an article, maybe that was. Written about this, and uh, and and that's the piece that I I hope that you know these episodes kind of supplement, and that uh, I really appreciate when I listen to a podcast is that emotion, right? That feeling uh, that you get by listening to someone's voice, hearing that crackle in their voice when they when they uh, talk about something that means a lot to them. And um it's just something that you you don't get in other mediums. And so that's why I, I go with podcasting.
1: I think that speaks to kind of what I was thinking about uh, you know, using the word intimacy. I think you said it in a way. That's the intimacy. That's the ineffable component to it is that human element that that jumps out differently um, from your earbuds versus a page. Um, that that's great. I guess, you know, what I'd love to sort of chat with now as we wrap up is kind of what can listeners expect moving forward in terms of like a release schedule? Uh, What can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, this is a a good space to wrap up. And, you know, for all of the listeners, you can expect to uh, hear an episode from Redesign America uh, once a month, at least once a month. And there will be some times when, You know, we might have more than one episode a month, depending on, you know, what's going on in the world, Uh, but at bare minimum, they can expect that, and they can expect that these conversations really be centered around social justice issues.
1: Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Uh, I can't wait, and um, it's an honor to be able to, to share with you in this relaunch.
0: And really, thank you so much, Katie, for being a part of this conversation.
1: Yes! Onward, friend.